Beach Grove. Okay, today's scripture lesson comes from the book of Job, chapter 38, verses 25 through 27, chapter 41, verses 1 through 8, chapter 42, verses 1 through 6. So beginning at chapter 38. Who has cut a channel for the torrents of rain in, and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on the land where no one lives on the desert, which is empty of human life, to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the ground put forth grass? Like a crown, I would give him an account of all my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. Then continuing in chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band, prescribed bounds for it and set bars in the doors and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here your proud waves be stopped. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and meditation of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That through your word for us this day, we would not only grow closer to you, but grow closer in our knowledge and understanding of you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I invite you to take out your notes page that is in your bulletin. As you can see, you uh, have both of the scripture lessons that were read this morning in there. Uh, and I invite you to uh, mark or uh, highlight, underline, whatever you uh, would like to do to m and make other notes in there as well as you see fit. Um, as we go through this sermon, both for your own uh, uh, taking away from this sermon and in ways that you can share it with others. <clears throat> Does, does Job fear God for nothing? If you remember, that is the question that the Satan figure posed God in the judgment of Job all the way back in the first chapter. As we have dove into this book of Job, the question, this question, goes to fill the pages of this narrative. It goes to show us the wrestling that Job has, and it goes to show us what it means to believe in God. There is no doubt that over the course of the previous 37 chapters that Job questions God. I think if we read these, uh, if we read these chapters and we look within them, we see Job's response to God is... One of questioning to try and understand. I mean, hear the words in that first passage of Scripture today. Oh, that I had one to hear me. Here is my signature. Let the Almighty hear. Oh, that I had the indictment written by my adversary. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it on me like a crown. I would give him an account of all my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. I don't know about you all, but it sounds like Job is calling out God. 
And it's not just there, but it is over the course of Job's lamenting that we hear Job calling out and questioning God. Remember, Job never curses. Job never forsakes. Job never leaves, right? That was a very important distinction we made in our addressing of lamenting last week is that the nature of lament is that it's directed to God. It is a nature of crying out to God. And it is a healthy practice as we begin to wrestle with what it means to approach God, right? Job never fractures his relationship with God, but Job certainly takes it right up to the edge of what may be deemed respectable in a relationship with someone. While I have named that this practice is healthy, I have named that we have been misguided in our quest of finding answers. Right, It's not that Job's questions do not have a matter of importance by showing us that it is healthy to lament, but it is in Job seeking answers to the wrong questions, and it will then be God's answers that will begin to define this. You see, we are misguided, not by the fact that we don't deserve answers. Right, We, we deserve answers. I deserve to know why there's a hole in my wall when I hear my children playing downstairs. We, we deserve answers as to why our days may seem bad. And I think that when we turn to God, we, we feel like we are turning to the right source. We're not misguided because we don't deserve answers. We're misguided because when we truly approach God, we're going to be disappointed in the answer that we receive. Why? And I'm sorry that this is a harsh truth for us. But humans are not the center of the universe. Sorry. But humans are not the center of the universe. And so when we think about suffering, even when suffering is present in our own lives, it is much more of an abstract and gray area that we would hope it to be. We would hope that in everything there is an answer to suffering. But unfortunately, as we learn from Job... Suffering can be a lot more abstract than gray. You see, it is this tension that we find ourselves in as we dive in this fourth week in our series. You see, we began in the first week and we posed ourselves this question, right? We posed ourselves that question that the Satan figure posed to God. Does Job fear God for nothing? And for us, it became this questioning It became this line of questioning in which we asked ourselves, do we believe in God because we believe that in believing in God that we have earned some sort of blessing? Thereby, do we believe in God because in believing in God, suffering, bad things will never happen to us because God will always protect us. And so that is at the heart and nature of our belief in God. Or or do we believe in God Because of the nature of who God is. Because of the nature of who God is. And in that, do we believe in God, not because of what we want God to do for us, but because we know the work that God has done and the love that God offers to us. And so that was the first week, and it set the stage for this series. And then we dove into the human responses to suffering, right? We dove into the way that we respond to the suffering of others or the way that others respond in suffering to us, right? And we talked about that building of community. We talked about that unhelpful help. And we learned and we identified this thing called empathy, empathy that we seek out in the world and then that we also seek to offer to others, right? Empathy is feeling alongside others. It's not looking for a shoulder to cry on, 
but it is looking for someone to cry right along with you. And we really establish the way that when we are suffering, one, we identified that we have this unhelpful help because we have people who are all around us and we ourselves sometimes do it where we just try to solve the problem. We try and solve the problem of suffering because it feels uncomfortable. And we talked about sitting with other people or other people sitting with us so that we can process through in our minds the suffering that we are going through. And so then the next week, which was last week, we looked at this nature in which we do this and we follow this process with God. And it's known as lament, right? We dove into lament and we looked at what it looked like to not curse God, right? Because and, 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 I, and I, I just I want to be clear about that line in our faith, right? We don't curse God. We don't forsake God. We don't leave God. No. Lament is an intentional practice of letting out our emotions so that we are coming to God, right? We are talking to God. We are expressing our relationship with God. We see here in Job that, yes, in lament, we will ask questions of God. We will ask questions of God. And as we move on in this book, beyond the speeches of Job and his friends, and we move into this new section. So again, like that first section was those first two chapters. And that kind of told the nature of the story. It gave us the background, right? right? Apparently the story of Job was told. And the author here has given us last time on Job, this happened. And then we move into this section where we have Job and his friends talking back and forth. And we see Job's friends talking about God. And we see Job talking to God. And this takes place from chapters 3 to 27 and then from 20 and then from 28 to about 37 uh, we have this guy named Eliehu who comes in and he offers his own opinion and he begins to direct Job in a little bit more of a healthy direction I would encourage you to go and to read those 20 something chapters to really if you want the if well not if you want to but to look at the examples of how the people the humans the things that we've talked about these last two weeks the humans response and so now we're moving to God's response and God's response is going to take place in these last handful of chapters from 38 to 42 and we're moving into this next section a section that offers a divine response to the suffering of Job and so, yes, we will see God seek to offer answers to Job and more about where God is offering healing that gives the basis for this answer. And so what we see is we don't see concrete answers. And this is, this, is why Job, this is why Job is such a hard book to read. This is why Job is such a hard book to read. Because as humans, as Christians, as people who believe in God, when we ask God a question, we want the answer to be easy. Amen? We want a straightforward answer. We want to say, we want to ask the question, right? How many of us have asked this? Don't, I mean, you don't need to raise your hands, but just think it in your mind because I'm sure you've asked it. You've asked this. I know you have because I've asked it. And, and I say that humbly admitting. God, why is there suffering in the world, right? We ask it, we'll often say like, God, why are there people starving in Africa? Or God, why are there homeless people on the street? God, why do people get cancer? Why do people get sick, right? We've asked those questions, right? We've all asked them. <clears throat> the problem is, is that God doesn't give the concrete answer. But here's the cool thing that God does here in Job. And here is 
Here's the thing that I love. And friends, know that when we're reading and we're studying Job here, like I'm studying it right alongside of you, which has been great and which has been fun. I've looked at Job in the past, but not like this. So here's the cool thing. When God gives Job an answer, God does not say Job's suffering is happening because of X, Y, Z, right? He doesn't say that suffering is happening because of X, Y, Z. God says, Job, you ask me why suffering happens. Let me take you on a journey. Let me take you on a journey. Let me take you on a journey through creation. And I want to show you this thing. I want to show you this nature, the nature of chaos, the nature of order, the nature of justice, and the nature of injustice. And I want to teach you. And in that, Job is, and we by nature of reading Job, are asked to wrestle with these concepts in the presence of creation, in the presence of suffering, and in the presence of healing. This is what God is going to address. Theologians who have read Job have always named that Job's two biggest concerns throughout the entire book are the natures and facets of chaos and injustice. And we are going to get God answers to both of those over the next few weeks. And this helps establish for us both why God responds in the way God does to Job, and it helps us to identify what our motivations are in healing the grief of suffering in our world. Not so the question we come becomes, and the answer we find in Job, is not why does suffering happen? Again, I don't know. How does suffering exist in such a way that we don't lose our faith in God? Unfortunately, I as your pastor cannot say that bad things will never happen to you. I really wish I could. I really wish that I could sit next to people in hospital beds as they're going through the worst and say that everything is going to be all right. I really wish that I could sit next to people when they're having a bad day and say tomorrow's going to be better. But friends, in the midst of suffering, how do we not lose our faith in God? Because here's the truth. God is going to be the one to get us through it. And it is this nature of sitting with God. And, 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 and really, yes, as we've explored sitting with God in community, sitting with God in quiet, sitting with God that is going to help get us through it. We've talked about divorcing this understanding of God being the cause of suffering, right? We've established that God does not cause our suffering. And we have seen the nature of suffering as an attribute of interacting with creation. But in the nature of justice, when we think, why do bad things happen to good or bad people? And to this, the answer is the nature of trust in God. And God's divine wisdom takes over in the narrative. Now, let me, now let's unpack that for a second. Because along the journey through creation, God invites Job. So in this section of 38 to 41, God invites Job to view the nature of God. Right? And so what does God do first? God takes Job on a journey through creation. And God shows Job creation. Right? Where were you? Where were you? And God shows Job what creation was like, and God shows Job the work that God did in creation. And so what is the next thing that God can show Job? 
God needs to show Job a reason that Job should trust God going forward. Right? I mean, God doesn't, God doesn't need, God doesn't need to do that, right? God doesn't need to do that. But God does it. It's not that suffering is a knock towards an unjust God. No. It's an unjust perception of creation that God is trying to continue to be a part of. And so what happens in 40 and 41 here in Job? Job, and by nature us who are reading Job, are encouraged to see God for who God is rather than what we think we deserve. You see, the thing about Job is that Job is not faultless. When we unpack Job's conversations with God, we recognize the nature, yes, in which the the lament that Job offers is a healthy process of healing from the grief that he is experiencing. But God charges Job with treating God as a transactional system. And look, here's the cool thing, because God could easily just get completely angry and and just lash out at Job. But instead of doing that, God gives Job wisdom. God gives Job wisdom and shows him the nature in which Job can trust God. And in the second part of of God's response, in chapters 40 and 41, we we see a response that not only invites an encounter with creation, but for Job to encounter and to see God with his own eyes. And it's in Job's response to God that we really, truly begin to see this nature in which Job has grown. This nature of God's justice and the role that we as humanity play in it. You see, next week we'll get to what happens to Job after all this is over. We'll, we'll see Job's fortunes restored, and, and we'll look and we'll explore the risk, the real risk that Job takes in this relationship. But that risk is nothing if we, like Job, do not come to trust the wisdom of God. And so we see Job in the first six chapters of 42 that we read this morning submit to God and submit to the wisdom that God has to help Job heal. By no means, and I'll say this again, because, I mean, this is, I mean, truly, this is the difficult part about talking about suffering, right? At no point in time, again, does it answer the, su- the question of why suffering occurs. In fact, like, friends, if we really get down into the deep of it, reading Job makes the answer to that question so much murkier. And it makes it so much harder to answer. But to look at Job as a whole narrative, we see a man in the beginning who thinks himself above suffering. And we see a man at the end who instead of focusing on the work he does to not deserve suffering, focuses on the growth that takes place when he interacts with God and creation. And so again, we go back to that question that was posed in chapter 1. Do we love God because we think that in loving God, we will be given anything and everything we desire? 
Or do we love God because of God's nature and work in the universe? And we return to this question, right? This is the question that's been underlying this whole series. Right? We're looking at suffering not through our eyes as humans, but we're looking at suffering through the eyes of God. Because at the end of the day, when we see God and we understand suffering through God's eyes, we see it as a matter of justice. And if we are bold enough to, like Job, stand in awe and wonder of who God is, it changes the game when it comes to suffering. Now, here's the thing. And I can attest to this because I had to drive three hours, three and a half hours home last night after that service. It does not change the hurt. It doesn't. It does not change the pain. But it does change the process of healing. It does change the way that we interact with God. When we seek to find healing, reconciliation, and redemption. Because I think if we're being honest with ourselves... A lot of the times we try and treat God as some magical magician whom we ask to do something and magically hope that things will get better right away. But you see, God works within us to heal and redeem. Our understanding of trying to treat God as a magician decentralizes the center of creation, right? We, we mentioned last week, we're, we're not the center of creation, right? I'm not the center of the universe, as big as my ego sometimes gets. In fact, creation is not even for us. Yes, God does give us dominion to care for and to look after creation. That is, that is true. But creation's not for us. Creation is for God. God created for God. Creation is for God's pleasure. And so then when we begin to think about what it means to know and to understand creation, how can we ever expect to know or understand creation without knowing God? If we don't know creation, then how will we ever recognize our role in it? The justice of God exists in God's role in nature as creator, not in God's role in nature as solving all of our problems. You see, Catherine Schiffendecker invites us to consider that Job had accused God of creating a world of chaos. And God responded by showing Job the world as it really is. A place of order, but also of freedom and beauty not centered on human beings, full of wild creatures that Job had never considered. Right? This is what Job is asked, this is what the book of Job is asking us to consider. It's asking us to say humans are not the center of the universe. God is the center of the universe. And as we read God's response, we hear the care that God has for creation. And so last week we encountered order and peace in the midst of chaos. And this week we encounter justice. Justice in the nature in which God cares. I mean, hear what Job says in verse 5 there in chapter 42. Job says, I heard of you, right? And that's, that's the translation we get in the New Revised Standard Version. I heard of you. 
I heard of you, right? I, I go to conference all the time, and when I encounter people, when I go to annual conference all the time, I will often encounter people who will say, oh, oh, I've heard of you. Now that I see you, I don't like you as much. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I've heard of you, but now I see you, right? That's what Job is saying here. Job is saying, God, I heard of you by hearing of the ear, right? Job had, had said that people have told him about God. And I, like, like that's an amazing thing, right? That, that, that Job, in only hearing of God, is labeled as this righteous man, right? Let, I mean, let's give, let's give Job a moment in the sun for a second, right? Because he is saying here, Job, God, I've only ever heard of you. But you know what, God, now I see you. Now I understand and I know. You see, for so much time, the, the first 40, 38 chapters of Job, Job is, he's calling out in ignorance, right? Job, Job does not truly understand what is going on. And so too, when we look through the narrow-sided nature of blessing, we can miss the messiness of creation. This does not mean that God is unjust. It means that God is God, and that God has provided freedom for us. And that means that there is this nature of chaos and disorder and seeming injustice. But, because there's always a but, friends, there's always a but. To forsake God or to blame God is to miss the true role that God actually plays. Right? If we think ourselves in believing in God is exempt from the bad that happens in the world, from sadness, from grief, from sorrow, from suffering, then we begin to treat God as a magician who just gives us what we want. Instead of looking to God in the nature of creator, redeemer, and sustainer, the nature in which we see God in Scripture. Job sees God and understands. Job sees God and then considers a closer relationship with God. And Job sees God and believes in a whole new way. And the cool thing is, is that we can do the same thing. Because as we read through Job, right, as like we've been journeying through, and um, if you haven't read Job, I, I really would encourage you to go back and, and to read it. We are invited to experience the fullness of creation and to actually see and meet God. And Job, in this new moment, believes with the fullness of his heart that everything will be all right. <clears throat> right? That's the Job we come to see in chapter, in chapter 42. Right? And if you've, if, you've t- if you've read what Job did earlier, there was hope. But like Job is also like, at some point in time, something's going to have to change. That's the hope. It took being open to the experiences of God. It took trusting the encounter that Job had with God. And Job is so much better for having journeyed through it. If we do not encounter God, if we do not see God with our eyes, then I fear we run the risk of misrepresenting who God is. And it's going to take work. But seeing and understanding justice is about healing. It's not never having suffered in the first place. There's no concrete answer to suffering. No matter how many times we try to point to the prologue or some Satan figure, maybe we're just focusing on the wrong thing. Instead of focusing on God. Knowing that God is just and that God cares about justice. 
which is why when things go wrong, which is why when bad things happen, God is there. If only we are willing to see God, to meet God, to journey with God, and to commit our lives to the healing that God offers. And so that's what I encourage you to do. Like if we do this work now, then we don't run the risk of losing our faith when we go through difficult times. And so we see God with our eyes and know that God hears the cries of the needy. And when invited in, God can bring healing. Amen.